This is Transistor.fm. Hello, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2022. I'm Justin Jackson, I do marketing. I'm Helen Riles and I do customer success. Nice. Helen, two weeks in a row. Hey. <laughs> yeah, this is turning into my podcast now. Well, I like it. <laughs> Especially since I'm hoping that maybe we can just pin this recording to the end of the weekly meeting that you lead. Yeah. So that we we do it every, every week. Because the, the hardest thing about podcasting is the... It's just finding the time to do it. For whatever reason, we've been able to, uh, we've been able to keep that weekly team meeting like every Thursday. And so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But this is great. John and Jason are both on vacation, which is which is great. And uh, but yeah, we're we're gonna record an episode today. And we just went through uh, a bunch of things. We launched the podcast websites feature. H- how's the feedback been on that so far in on the customer support channels? Um, it's been really positive, really. Um, so people have sort of taken the time to reach out to us and, and let us know that they like the new theme and like um, the sort of direction that we're going in with um, making things more customizable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess, um, you know, for every person that takes the time to reach out, there's other people that kind of um, have seen it and are, are liking it, but perhaps haven't, uh, you know, mentioned it to us yet. So all, all good feedback is uh, appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're, if you've tried it out and you're listening, definitely reach out on customer support and uh, on the live chat and, and let us know because it it's fuel. I, I think that's what I I think I mentioned this one time on Twitter, and you'll know this too from building your personal projects. But when somebody takes the time to reach out and like thank you or mention that you did a good job or whatever, that's like fuel for the indie hacker, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Especially even before, like on small projects when there's not even any revenue, you're kind of just existing on that motivation of uh, feedback from other people. So no, it is it is really good. And um, it's uh, kind of especially interesting to get kind of insights from people on sort of what they're hoping comes next or kind of what's the next stage and uh, what features they will use from what we've built. And, yeah. Um, Do you want to mention yeah. some of those? Like, I think people would find that interesting. So we we launched this new theme. Like, you can select a new website theme for your podcast. And there's a little bit of new customization you can do. But what are some of the other things people are, like, thinking about that they want to see on those podcast websites? Yeah, so I guess it's more just more customization. So being able to um, add new pages and... Um, have a dedicated space for sponsors and things like that. Um, things that we've been kind of thinking of and um, discussing over time. Um, but it's good to see those kind of repeat things come up over and over because I guess it just shows that there's a, a genuine demand for those particular features, really. Yeah. And especially, I think the other one is uh, that host profiles, like show, you know, here's a photo of the host or the hosts and a little bio. 
Uh, people have been hacking our about pages to do that, but that's kind of actually the benefit of that. Like right now, our about pages don't have a Wessiwig editor. You have to know HTML. And from a customer experience point of view, that's not a great experience. But the advantage of that is we get to see people kind of hacking it to do the things they want to do, right? With sponsors and hosts and guests. If people will put that time and effort into kind of make something, um, you know, as much as it possibly can um, fit a particular feature, then you you know that they'll definitely kind of use it if it was built into the product. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So sometimes, you know, uh, I don't know how you actually build that in in a conscientious way because for us it was by accident. It's it's more an accident of history that that about page is the is the thing, but um, the having it there and just seeing how different people use it has been incredibly instructive. Are, are you in the notifications channel in Slack? Have you seen that? Yeah. And it, so every time someone uses the new website theme, it posts a link. I find it so eye-opening to see all of these different podcasts that I've never seen before on our system updating their website and seeing how they use it, but also just getting a sense for our customers. I found it really interesting. There's just, you know, every once in a while, I'll just pick a random account and listen to the show. But this new notifications channel, it's just interesting to see all these people. And then you go to their about page and can see like how they've, you know, configured that. And yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. All the different shows on the platform. Yeah, so I'm just having a look now. I think we've got about sort of 15 in there today. So yeah, it's kind of nice to see things in real time. I'll probably pop into that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, a lot <laughs> of people switching over. You've been doing customer success for us for probably, what, two, three years now? Yeah, since the end of 2019, since yeah. Since the end of 2019. And then before that, um, are, are you allowed to say who you've worked with before? Yeah, I don't, don't see oh, why not. Okay, yeah. so you, who have you, you've done customer success for other companies too. What, what are some of those companies? Yeah, so I guess like my kind of main background really was in like IT um, project management. Mm -hmm. So like running help, running help desks for like housing companies and banking companies. And um, I've worked a lot in like IT education, so colleges and schools. Um, and then um, sort of more recently over the past few years, I like worked for ConvertKit and MakerPad um, and then now Transistor. So yeah, it's kind of been quite a, quite a varied journey, but I think customer success has been the main kind of thread through it all, whether that's um, like IT help desks or um, support for SaaS companies. Um, yeah, it's kind of been the mainstay of, of what I do, really. Yeah. And when you were doing it for in in education, were you, was that remote or were you on site? Um, so it was kind of um, a bit of both. So uh, in the early days, we're going back away mm -hmm. now. <laughs> One of my first job was to have like about 15, 15 schools that I would like visit and then travel around to and be kind of like um, somebody who would visit with like to fix issues within like one day a fortnight. And then it would kind of be moving to being like in a central um, IT office for like a large college who have like satellite schools and feeder schools. And then obviously we would be remotely fixing issues there really. Wow. So um, there's, there's always been an, there's always been an element of kind of remote support, even if the company isn't hundred percent remote, you may just have like, um, 
an office down the road. Yeah. And interestingly, when you kind of work um, in banking, if you've got like a, a company that's got 15,000 employees, you know, you, even somebody just who works on a different floor feels like a remote customer to you because they're, you know, in a different building or like three floors down or something like that. So, yeah, I guess. That's yeah, a lot of employees. Strange. <laughs> Yeah. That's more, yeah. We, we don't it, even have that many users on Transistor, I don't think. <laughs> I know, yeah. It's kind of, um, you can kind of work for a company for lots of years and like just go to a different floor and you have people that you've never seen before in your life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you've got lots of experience in this, this, this kind of broad category of customer success. And uh, you mentioned, I, I tweeted earlier this week. I think this is my most popular tweet this week. I've been, I've been trying to like get back on the Twitter train and, uh, and experiment with growing my Twitter following a little bit. I've actually been trying to help, uh, Dr. Sherry Walling grow her Twitter account. And so as a part of that experiment, I've been like, okay, I got to figure out, you know, what works for my account. So I signed up for typefully. Have you heard of that? It's like a thread right yeah. yeah. And they've got stats in there. And then I also have ILO, uh, or sorry, ILO.SO. ILO, yeah. yeah. And so I've been uh, looking at my stats in there. And so the top, the top tweet from this past week was me talking about customer success. And I think in so many ways, like a lot of people here like support and I think, you know, something comes to their mind in particular. Do you know what I mean? Oh, de- yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's different for every um, company, really, because you can do a customer support role, and that could be primarily um, dealing with people who aren't yet customers. Strangely, mm-hmm. even though it's customer support, you could be it could be pre-sales. It could be um, you know, kind of answering. Um, less technical questions or at the completely under, other end of the scale, it could be really kind of in-depth technical bug, fi- bug fixing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it covers such a wide range, even though there's kind of a, um, we think we all kind of know what, what the role involves. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I also think, I'm, I'm glad we've got some of these new ways of describing the role, like describing it as customer success because I think for a long time, support had like this negative connotation with it, you know, like, oh, that's just customer support. And, um, you know, for me personally, like that's how I got started in the tech industry was doing customer support. And then really how I, I, I kind of grew my career was moving into more of a customer success role and saying, no, this isn't just like, answering support tickets, this is a lot more than, than just that. It, and it, it, it kind of crucially, I think customer support or customer success is really inside sales at a lot of, or inbound sales at a lot of companies. Mm, yeah. Like when somebody lands on the transistor website and they see that little chat bubble, you're the first person they talk to. So it's not just like that. That we've we've given, um, you know, in some people's minds, it's like, well, these people are just answering support tickets. And in my mind, it's like, no, you don't understand. This is like one of the most crucial roles in any software company, and 
at Transistor, you're primarily responsible for it, but all of us, um, myself, John, and Jason, we're all in Crisp, which is our support software every day. And I, I just think it's so crucial, this idea of giving customers a great experience. Uh, so it's customer experience, it's customer success, helping them get set up so that they actually can succeed with the product. And it's like signing people up, you know, like getting, convincing them to enter their credit card. Yeah. And it is really good that we, we all do um, spend time in crisp and answering those questions as well, because I think it makes the kind of responses we we give better because like I will learn things from you and, um, you know, you'll pick up on things from John and, and it just gets better from, you know, from there on out really. So yeah, it's just yeah. kind of. Oh, we, we pick up on stuff from you all the time. <laughs> There's like, there was a time where it was like, John and I were getting a little bit curt in our responses. And then I, I noticed how you were answering and I was like, John, we got to like take some notes from Helen here because uh, we're, we're a little bit too blunt sometimes. <laughs> Because <laughs> there, the, there's a consideration there, right? Yeah, and I guess kind of, um, I think everybody has a different different way, and I think we we've each got kind of different ways. Um, I think you're very good at kind of responding um, to everybody as though they they're already your friend, <laughs> um, which is which is really great because that makes it happen you know it makes kind of like those connections and those relationships be more than just a transactional thing people are actually invested in the product and the story and everything that goes into kind of like how it's been built as well um whereas I am kind of a little bit different than that and I I try to perhaps learn from you a little bit and be a (laughs) less um I don't know what's the formal? word. I'm looking for a word. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably more formal, and you're probably more informal. And and hopefully, there's some happy happy medium in there somewhere yeah. that uh, suits suits all different types of people. Because different organizations, you know, large organizations do expect a formal response, and then individuals, yeah, really appreciate that friendly kind of um, you know back and forth kind of um, chatty chatty kind of uh, help. I think, and I think the, the one thing I picked up from you that is super important is often people will, will, you know, send in a, a, a message and sometimes I don't, I, like one simple thing you do is you just go, hi, name, and then, um, and just taking time to say hello and then their name, automatically there's this friendliness about it. So, because responses can seem really blunt and rude if you're not careful, right? What What are some other tricks you you do to like just help? Because I I think sometimes people don't realize when they're answering support tickets how uh, you know you can sound different than you you know in your mind you're just replying quickly, but to the person on the other side it's like oh this person's kind of being a jerk you know yeah I guess. Um... Yeah, it's just one of those things where there's a lot of reading between the lines sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, the questions that people ask aren't always the questions that they want answers to. It's normally sometimes a different question that they want an answer to, and it's kind of about maybe um, 
pulling pulling out some more information or asking for more details um, mm-hmm. just to try and, and sort of help them get to what the actual root cause is rather than um, sort of taking something at face, face value and just going, yeah, that's fine. Uh, you know, kind of maybe digging a little bit deeper or trying to make it a thorough first response so it doesn't require two or three or four back and forward emails mm-hmm. or if they're on live chat, that's fine. But sometimes, you know, uh, we uh, kind of our support system is that emails and live chat is all in the one place, really. So yeah. um, I could make, you know, sort of live chat e- uh, messages a lot more uh, informal, um, but sometimes they sort of do get sent by email instead. Yeah. So I kind of try and almost write for email all the time. Um at least in the first, at least in the first message and the first contact that we have, and then maybe kind of make it a little bit more informal from there on yeah, out. I think I think that's super important. I and and also being okay to show some enthusiasm, like uh, you know, using exclamation marks, uh, you know, judiciously, but you know, having uh, a little bit of enthusiasm. Uh, the other thing is we've decided not to have any sort of chat bot. Um, and uh, although a lot of people often assume that they're talking to a bot, right? <laughs> that that does, does that yeah, still come up? We, we do get questions. <laughs> we do get questions. Are you real? Are you a human? Put me through to a human. Yeah. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> and I just think it's it's incredible. Like in that thread, the Twitter thread, people. Some people were like, you know, I can't believe you you folks do live chat. That's so much work. Um, and I suppose it depends on you know, the number of tickets you get. Because we get, like, what did we have this past week? You said it's it's been down a little bit lately. Yeah, it's sort of around 80 conversations a week, maybe a little bit less. Yeah. Um, we kind of look at it on a Thursday um, for the f- like a full prior week. So um, sometimes we get <clears throat> a busier Friday or something like that, which may skew the numbers a bit. But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it has been a, a quieter period, but that's probably sort of due to, um, you know, issues that were sort of inc- bumping the numbers up being permanent res- permanently resolved or um, we kind of have these sort of phases where we seem to get um, questions that seem to be like linked in, in certain topics and certain topics sort of seem to be like uh, hot for a particular yeah. week and then fade out. And, yeah, it's yeah, strange. So. Like there can be a zeitgeist around all that stuff, but I, I, I mean, I, I personally, and this is something I got from Spencer at Podia, is live chat. Like when you have an incredible live chat experience, there, there is something really nice if you're frustrated and you can just get an answer right away. And I mean, we're not always able to get people right away. Like sometimes people wait twenty minutes or whatever, um, but to be able to get an answer right away is so helpful when you're stuck. And uh, I I think it's worth it. And we're a team of four people, right? So the, the general idea is you're in the UK, and so you can cover when I'm sleeping. And then the next day, you know, we have some overlap between, um, you know, around 9.30 a.m. my time is when you're kind of winding down. And I think it's doable. It's doable with a small team. You can be a team of two, three, four people and manage live chat support 
And it's, uh, I, I think especially once you get somebody who's kind of in a different time zone than you, uh, like for us in North America, I think the UK or Australia, um, you know, the somewhere that's up when you're sleep, you're sleeping, as soon as you cover that, you're kind of good. Yeah. And I think, um, the fact that it is manageable with four people says a lot about the product and how well it works mm. really. Um, because our, you know, different products would probably have a different kind of, uh, need to support, um, customers. You know, if you've got high volume customers or kind of, or a, perhaps a product that is more susceptible to, um, sort of issues that have an impact on a, like a real time mm -hmm. product. Yeah. So I think we are kind of fortunate that the sort of the, the quality of the product and the time zones that were spread out in, it kind of makes it to be, um, you know, a manageable thing. I think I saw somebody um, tweet something the other day about having a scalable product and like, at what point would you, you know, would you have to double to have issues with your customer service? Or would it have to be five times at what point, you know, what's kind of your capacity yeah. to grow the, grow the product and still retain the quality of customer service and thought, that was kind of an interesting question, really, because you kind of um, hopefully, hopefully there's some like room to to grow with the current setup that we've got as well. Yeah, well, and and so much of it is like we've we've been able to notice, like you said, like sometimes we implement a change. Uh, for example, uh, you were talking about the we have a way of submitting a podcast to Apple. And the process is complicated. It's it's they don't have a submission API, and so we just you had given us some some feedback to say you know people still ask about this a lot, and then John just went in and modified some of the language and some of the UI there, and I, I think that cut things down quite a bit. Did it? Yeah. Um, since we made that change, we haven't had any issues. So people were kind of going through halfway through the Apple submission process, and then getting a little bit frustrated. Yeah that uh, they hadn't realized that there was steps that they needed to finish off. So we just put kind of a, a bit of an indicator within the uh, sort of our distribution screen that helped people to sort of loop down the list and realize that that wasn't, the process wasn't quite finished. So they would go back and finish that off. So yeah, just those kind of tweaks and getting the feedback and learning from perhaps frustrations of customers and putting, putting that into a better uh, user experience. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And I uh, here's some of the people in the Twitter thread. So you're right. Like we are lucky in some ways because, uh, Tyler King says, I'm jealous. We average 55 new tickets per day, much more if you count ongoing conversations. And I, I think our ratio is around 60, 70 new tickets and then 60, 70% new tickets and then 30, 40, uh, responses to existing threads. So yeah, for him to be getting 55 new tickets per day, that's, you know, quite a bit more than us. Yeah. And I guess the f the first thing you would look at with something like that is like, what are the top 10 things that are being asked? Are there sort of gaps in terms of documentation? Um, are there things that aren't clear that you can kind of, um, you know, permanently um, solve forever, really? I remember sort of one role, one role I worked at, I kind of worked out that password resets were uh, like, causing 20% of our ticket volume. So just impl implementing a better password reset feature just got rid of 20% of tickets overnight, really, which was thousands at that particular point. So that's amazing. That, I mean, yeah, that. Hey, do you want to start your own podcast? 
head over to Transistor and use my coupon, transistor.fm slash Justin. You'll get 15% off your first year of podcast hosting. Being able to identify those big things. And another thing you're really good at is identifying when we just need a video or a, or a guide or whatever. And, uh, you know, sometimes just like having the right video to send people just it, it answers all the questions. They just need to see a walkthrough and then they're good, you know? Yeah. And that kind of saves um, us time from kind of having converse- lengthy conversations mm-hmm. um, and taking up customers' time. We can we can provide them with something they can watch at their own convenience that answers it thoroughly. Yeah. And seeing, so seeing somebody talk about it and seeing your face on videos is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um it kind of builds trust in what we're saying and, and how to, what the best practices practices are. Yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah, I mean, even when I started with Transistor, we were kind of fortunate that you'd gone to the trouble of creating such a, a good catalogue of um, the core documentation that, um, yeah, we've we've kind of just built upon that a little bit really, but even, even starting out the gates, mm-hmm. um, I think that probably... Um, saved you and John a lot of time in the early days. Oh, yeah. And and in Crisp, that's the help desk uh, live chat software we use. You can just click, uh, there's a short key for uh, question mark, and then you can search all of your knowledge base and then insert those into your answers. I do that quite a bit. And then I, I don't know if you use Text Expander. I, I use Text Expander quite a bit for um, like very common replies. You know, I've got one for private podcasts and other things that I just, I have a, you know, a short, short code, shortcut code that I just enter and then it rules it out. And, um, you gotta be careful with those (laughs) not to like, uh, put them, you know, you you still want to be, uh, engaged in the conversation, but I find just having those shortcuts is really helpful for, you know, answering people. No, uh, all my mess. All my messages are handcrafted every <laughs> single time. <laughs> That's how you know you're a professional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, Riley Chase said that, so Tyler, he has 20 people total on his team, eight people on the customer service team. So uh, he's got quite a big team there. And then, yeah, 55 new tickets a day. And then Riley Chase is doing... He's got three full-time support people, one part-time, and they do 293 tickets per week, so 41 per day, which is, yeah, quite a bit as well. Yeah. It's interesting to see the numbers of full-time support people compared to the numbers of tickets. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I guess there have been some times, I guess as well, it depends on how... um, we're counting individual tickets, but that's not necessarily messages. So we may have one back and forth with with a customer, we, or we may have twenty, you know, a really long twenty message conversa- conversation. Really, so that's kind mm-hmm. of it. Doesn't kind of account for how long it takes to solve an issue. Um, I would say that our questions are all kind of relatively kind of quick to respond to there's um definitely been sort of organizations i work for where the kind of there's been a need to step through detailed sequences and that in like one support ticket could take uh, a quarter of a day oh, sort of thing. yeah so we're, we're we're fortunate that we're able to kind of um capitalize on the docs that we've got in the videos and respond quite quickly 
and then yeah move on to help another customer yeah yeah that that would be exhausting <laughs> i don't i don't know if i could do that that's part of the reason i like doing our support is that it just it does often feel like it's quick enough you know and um and i even have support on my phone which again is a danger because the responses can be a lot shorter and more uh, curt if you're not careful but um I just get so much satisfaction out of being able to answer somebody's questions when I'm on the chairlift snowboarding or whatever. <laughs> just like yeah. that, that that immediate response. And because we've all had that experience, you know, when we've been stuck on something. And I have this old tweet I was I found to Jason Cohen at WP Engine. This is like from back in 2016 or 17. I'm like, Jason, I can't believe it. WP Engine answered my ticket at 11 p.m. on a Friday, you know? And there's there's just something about that that, like, you don't get that from your internet company or your cell phone company, right? No. We need, we need a prize for the kind of most unique place that we responded <laughs> to a, a crisp ticket. It should, you know how Riverside, like, takes screenshots of us as we talk, as we're recording this podcast? They should have that in crisp where they, they just take a selfie of you every once in a while. <laughs> And then you're yeah, like on the mobile app and it's like, oh, here he was on the chairlift. There he was in the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> there I am in the vet's waiting yeah, room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love that idea. Uh, any other tips you think you'd have for people like indie hackers, people starting SaaS companies? Um, maybe let's have it this in two parts. What do you think founders should do, solo founders, um, or partners that are just starting out, what are some of the considerations you think they should have when they're trying to give customer support in the beginning? What are some tricks you think they could use? Yeah, so I think it's, I don't know whether you agree with this, but it's quite common for uh, SaaS founders to kind of leave, not leave it too late to hire, but kind of um, yes, I try agree. and do, every, do everything <laughs> as long as possible. Yeah. Um, and um, I'd sort of recommend like onboarding somebody um, before you desperately need them because um, if you're kind of swamped with customer support and you've got to kind of have the patience to help somebody get up to speed with with something that you know kind of inside mm -hmm. out, um, I would recommend kind of doing that before you think is probably necessary, really. Yeah, um, co-sign on that for sure. Yeah, and, and sort of like writing writing documentation as if there is somebody else within your company, even before you've hired somebody, mm -hmm. um, to kind of planning for that next stage. Um, yeah. Because I guess as a founder, there's so much in your own in your own head about the product and why things work the way it does that um, it then will become kind of a double time investment to sort of pass it on to somebody else, really. Yeah. So, yeah, I would, I would recommend hiring earlier than you think. And um, yeah, and I guess like just sort of try, trying people out and giving people a chance in terms of um, seeing how it works, especially with the remote teams. It's hard, it's kind of hard to hire remotely in, in some ways because if you haven't met somebody, you don't necessarily know uh, you won't be sitting next to them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe sh what, one thing that's worked quite well is kind of um, when we've had uh, like other contractors working for Transistor and other places as well I've worked just kind of shadowing in terms of like doing some support tickets together um, if you have that overlap 
Um, we're fortunate that we do have some hours in the day where we are both kind of in our business hours. Um, and that's been kind of really valuable to kind of ask for your feedback or um, yeah. ask for help. And then, and then I can kind of move on and, and run with things uh, with a little bit of that overlap, really. Yeah, so. yeah. We, in, in, in our tool, and a lot of tools you can do this, you can at mention somebody in a note. Um, and we often do that. We'll be like, hey, what do you think about this? Or, um, and it's also where we give each other feedback. <laughs> like if, if I was too curt or blunt, um, you know, we might say, hey, man, this is a little bit too, uh, maybe not, not, not uh, nice enough. Um, although you gotta be careful with those notes because John and I have both accidentally published notes that were meant for each other <laughs> to the actual chat. Yeah, that, 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 that is a golden rule. Don't ever write anything that you wouldn't want anybody the, to see. The customer to see, yeah. yeah. And what do you think, yeah. so you and I met in the MegMaker community, which was a community I'd been running since 2013, uh, Eventually, mm-hmm. you started helping me moderate the community, and I knew you were doing work with ConvertKit and MakerPad and other folks. And so, when we were looking for somebody, I already had an introduction. I knew I was like, "Oh, I, I'll bet you Helen might be able to help us." And it was—I I think initially it was like, "Let's just try this out for a month or something." I can't remember how we did the initial trial. Yeah, I think we said something like an hour a day for a month. And then we, and then after like four or five weeks, I think we sort of had a catch up and just asked if it was kind of working or what your feedback was. Um, and then we kind of uh, just kind of moved on to it being kind of a rolling thing, whereas I'd be perhaps helping out early in sort of my morning yeah. time, um, first thing, um, so that you and John could kind of wake up with... Um, not kind of like overwhelmed with things to answer. You could focus on what you wanted to. And then obviously your support would still be necessary in your time zone, but that would be perhaps later on in the day yeah. and not with the backlog of people waiting, you know, sort of angry Europeans waiting for a yeah, reply. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Because initially, because you were working a full-time job somewhere else, right? And you would kind of, you would you would answer support before you left for work and sometimes when you got back from work. Is that right? Yeah. So it was, it depended on, I mean, sometimes it would be the case where you may have gone to bed quite late and you might have been working <laughs> quite late. So I might get up and there might not be much for, you know, you might have, um, have kind cleared of out the queue. cleared that out. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, it depends. It did sort of depended. So um, with working in education, my kind of hours were kind of like quite a short, short day yeah. really. Um so I kind of might go to a coffee shop after work and do some work or, you know, just grab grab my laptop and or um, first thing in the morning um, do a little bit. So, yeah, it worked out quite yeah. well. It's quite interesting. Yeah, and, so, and that was a great for us because we were so, like, we're just like typical founders. And you're right, we should have hired somebody way earlier. And, um, and I think by doing that part-time thing where it was just like an hour to a day, uh, that was, that made it manageable. And then eventually we realized like, wow, we could scale this up for sure. Um, even though, I mean, yeah, cause you were our first full-time hire. So there was a little bit of like apprehension, like, are we get what are we getting into? But, uh, I think John and I recorded an episode right after, like a month after we hired you full-time and it was like, why did we not do this earlier? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, why did we not have someone full-time earlier? So I, I think, I think it is manageable. Like if you're 
starting a small startup, you could get just try having someone answer tickets for an hour a day and just see how that works, you know? Yeah. And ha- having somebody, um, you know, at least an additional person who knows um, how things work is um, like really valuable if you need to call somebody in if somebody's not well or yeah. if you have an issue and you're getting an unprecedented demand for responses or things like that. So that is actually, that is another point. That's another way we learn to scale up is that I knew I had to be gone for a few days and I asked you if you could like just be more in support more often. And so it it also helped with us feeling like we could take some time off, um, which is why I think eventually we probably will need to hire another support person um, who's either part-time doing like four hours a day or another full-time person in North America just so that we have more slack in the system. So like when you take time off, John, Jason, and I have to pick up the slack and then when any of us are taking time off, you know, like right now, Jason and John are off. And so you and I are like, we're on it, right? Yeah. And if I spent more time on demo calls or kind of articles or writing things, then I guess there would be, um, you know, there's that kind of balance that if anything increased, there would be obviously the trade-off in, in some some other area. Yeah. So yeah, I think um, it's this sort of natural progression at some point and see how, see how that yeah. goes. So maybe to finish off, I think one question we're going to get is people are going to go, how do I find someone like Helen? How do I hire someone like you? What do you, what advice would you give to people? Like what watering holes should they be hanging out in? How do they find people that can take on this customer success role and, um, or even finding more junior customer support people? Uh, we were lucky with you that you had all this experience, but you know, maybe some people just want to hire someone more junior that's just getting started in tech. What what kind of advice or ideas would you give folks? Yeah, um, I'm always quite kind of um, sort of keen to help people to get into that, really. Um, I guess one thing um, that you could do is to kind of look at other companies that you like the support of, and there may be people who have worked there in the past, mm-hmm. Um, so that's obviously one of the, you know, you knowing that I'd worked at ConvertKit kind of gave you an, an idea that um, I had like done some work for, you know, SaaS companies in the past. That's a good, that's a good point. Cause uh, a lot of those folks, some of those folks are only working part time. So they might be at a company you like, but they, they might still have bandwidth for doing more than one client, right? Yeah, or they might have moved on or they might be doing something, you know, freelance or things like that. Yeah. So um, just kind of picking up an idea of the types of support that are perhaps similar to yours and who may have worked there before. Um, people on Twitter that, you know, you're probably in sort of your kind of bubble anyway, really, sort mm-hmm. of thing. So, um, and then just asking people, really, if you're... Or, I think you'll be surprised at the kind of um, number of responses you will get if you kind of just put an opportunity out there. It doesn't have to be a permanent thing. It doesn't have to be a full-time thing. It can be, um, you know, just an experiment to see if it works or not. Um, and, you know, you might, might find that uh, it doesn't necessarily reduce your uh, kind of need for support down or something like that. But um, I would definitely try sort of... Um, in communities, in Slack groups, you know, I think a lot of people perhaps spend money on job postings um, and for something something quite casual, it might not be worth necessarily spending that money. So 
um, probably look, looking within your own network um, and looking for kind of people who have uh, worked for companies that do support that you have experienced yourself that you think is a, a sort of a good quality level, yeah. really. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. And, and the other thing that we tried is we had Yutinde, um, who worked with us for a while, and she was interested yeah. in a junior developer role. And we we were just too small to be able to do that kind of, have that kind of program. But we said, well, why don't you come and do support, customer support with Helen, and Helen can kind of help you get onboarded into that. And uh, I said, every once in a while, when I need help on the website, on the marketing site, let's do some pair programming together and and do some of that work together. And so I think that could be another opportunity if you have somebody who wants to get into tech and, you know, maybe they're doing a little bit of web development on the side. Or I think also you've been really involved in the no-code community. And I think a lot of those folks could be mm. really great because they understand a lot of these tools. They understand about optimization and um, they might be looking for their first job in tech, right? And they, 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 they may have come from other other uh, industries or whatever, but it can be a great way to get into tech. It definitely is, yeah. And I think it's especially for people who know, uh, you know, a little bit about a lot of different tools and technologies. Um, you know, it's a kind of right kind of role for um, kind of people who like um, lots of varied questions about completely different technologies from one from one ticket to the next yeah um and that's that's one of the reasons i like it is that every single question is completely different and every day is different yeah um, totally yeah and it's it kind of is a really kind of broad it's kind of you need to be kind of a quite a broad technologist rather than a yeah uh, you know sort of deep in particular you know programming language or something like that it's more of a uh you know kind of helping people with all the different integrations we've got totally all the different um all the different software that comes before to produce a podcast as well so people asking for advice on um you know audio video even though we don't produce video podcasts people ask us for those kind of kind of peripheral advice on those kind of technologies as well so actually i'm i'm more excited about that no code idea now because you're right. Like there's so many, it's like, how do I update my DNS settings on hover? It's like, well, we've, if you're a no code person and you've been in the community forever, you know how to do that, right? Uh, what tools can I use to, uh, so being able to help people with more than just what's in our scope is so helpful. Like how do I embed my podcast on WordPress? Well, I can, I can show you because you know, we've done it before. So yeah, I think you're right. Looking for those generalists, those uh, technologists, uh, or people that have that kind of a varied experience are they can be awesome for this kind of stuff. One thing I wanted to ask you was um, sort of what, when did it kind of feel like the right time to, to hire somebody? Was there a particular point, a particular moment? Was it kind of just a, a long, um, stand, a long-standing thing that you kind of intended to do that? Um, kind of finally became uh, more essential? I mean, I think especially when we were growing really fast at the beginning. So like, you know, 2018 to 2019 was kind of our on-ramp. And then once we went full-time, it just accelerated. Then it was like, wow, we get so many tickets and, you know, I can't focus on anything else except for support. And I also knew from being on other teams, like, we're going to need help. And and it's 
it, it sometimes it's hard to do everything like all at once. So I thought if we could onboard some people part time, like you'd mentioned, that would help us ease into it. Uh, we had to like debate because John and I have different spending philosophies. Uh, he's he's definitely more conservative on the spending side, and so you know there was like it, it took a while for us to negotiate that internally. But um, I mean, definitely by the time we we were started talking to you about you coming on full time, and even leading up to that, I think I checked in with you every once in a while maybe even three, four months before, I said, hey, I know, because you were working full-time at the time, I said, in the future, if you are ever looking to go full-time, I think John and I are ready to have someone come on full-time. And and then, yeah, maybe three, four months later, um, it kind of happened, right? So there was like this kind of gradual, you got to plant some seeds in order to, you know, uh, harvest later on. So yeah, I think, yeah. And, and the times where I feel like we need more people, like when I'm in the regular flow of a day, it feels fine. But as soon as I take time off or as soon as I, you know, I'm going to be traveling, that's where I feel the pressure. And also I think, you know, another thing to check is like, how many times is my family getting upset at me because I'm answering support tickets on my phone. Like that, that was another indicator for me. Like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get some help here. And, and like, I'd be waking up in the middle of the night. And my first thought was to <laughs> open up crisp and like start answering tickets. Cause there's probably some tickets there. So I think once you're starting to feel those things, yeah, it's, it's time to start looking for uh, somebody. Hopefully that's got a little bit less now. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, we noticed it right away. It was just, and even though you're in a different time zone, and even though most of our tickets are still in the North American time zone, just having somebody else who's in charge of it. And uh, I mean, and you cover quite a, quite a day. Um, you know, we give you the freedom to figure that out on your own, but you do cover a big, we've been, you've been quite generous with us in terms of how, how long you cover. Um, but yeah, we just noticed it right away. It was just so helpful. I kind of start and it's quite quiet in the mornings. And then obviously later on, it kind of gets busier. So um, I do kind of sort of structure my day. So we do have some overlap between the team to catch up mm-hmm. and even just chat and slack. Sometimes it's just nice to see what everybody's up to and um, who's around and who's on holiday or who's, you know, doing fun things. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, you shift your day a bit later for yourself then. Yeah, just sort of, just to make sure that there's that kind of um, overlap with when the majority of the customers um, are asking questions, yeah. really. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, this is fun. I think we, we could definitely do more on this. Folks, if you're interested in customer success, if you want to, uh, like, even if you're interested in knowing who should you should hire, definitely ha- uh, follow Helen on Twitter. She is Helen Riles. So Helen, and then Riles is R-Y-L-E-S, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, and that's in the show notes as well. I'm going to thank our Patreons, Patreon supporters. We've got Mitchell Davis, brand new recruit .com.au. He must be from Australia. Marcel Fale from We Are Bold. Alex Payne, Bill Condo, Anton Zorin from Prodcamp. Mitch, 
Just Mitch. Nothing else. Just Mitch. Harris Kenny from the Intro CRM podcast. Oleg Kulig. Ethan Gunderson, Chris Willow, Ward Sandler from Member Space, Russell Brown from Fotivo, Noah Prail, Colin Gray, Austin Loveless, Michael Sitver, Paul Jarvis and Jack Ellis, Dan Buda. John's actually with Dan Buda right now. Uh, Darby Frey, Brad from Canada, Canada, Adam Duvander, Dave Junta, Junta. <laughs> and Kyle Fox from Get Rewardful. Thanks, everyone, for listening. With any luck, we will be back again next week with another episode. Talk to you soon. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.